You're listening to the CIT Podcast. If you'd like to know more about CIT or like to donate to this ministry, you can find us online at churchintoronto.com, Instagram, or Facebook. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'd love to see you at church this Sunday. So this morning, we're going to touch the matter of uh, God's generosity uh, in relationship to caring for us, and with us, that means generosity with our resources. And I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here maybe to make you feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. Um, when we, first of all, we got to see this whole matter of God caring for humanity. And you read these verses that Paul read to us in Deuteronomy uh, are striking because what God is basically saying, okay, when you're out there, you who have possessions, you have crops, of course, it was an agrarian society. When you're, when you're harvesting and something drops, don't turn around and go get it back. Just leave it there. Leave it for the foreigners, for the orphans, and for the widows. And this expression, leaving it for the foreigners and for the orphans and the widows, comes up again and again and again in the book of Deuteronomy, as well as many of the prophets in the Old Testament. What does this mean? This means God cares for those who are disadvantaged. God cares about justice for those who her justice has not been done to them. God cares for the foreigners. God cares for the refugees. God cares for the orphans and the widows. In that society, if you became a widow, if you were an orphan, there was no social safety net for you. You were totally dependent on the goodwill of others. So God says, take care of them. Don't... don't uh, You harvest your crop once, don't go back again. Leave it. Leave it for others. In other words, bless others. That is God's heart for all the disadvantaged. God wants those, God loves to take care of people. We know God takes care of birds. We know God takes care of animals. But also, God wants to take care of humanity. But... With humanity, he takes care of humanity, human beings, through other human beings. He doesn't do it by dropping things from the sky. So how do we respond to this kind of a verses in Deuteronomy? How do we respond to this? First of all, I like to say this. As God's creation as human beings, the Bible tells us we're made in the image of God. That means we're made like God. God has a generous heart. And according to our created nature, not our fallen nature, but according to our created nature, we also have a generous heart. You have to believe that. According to our creation, according to the way God made us, we do have a generous heart. Why? Because we're made in his image, we reflect God. You say, but I don't always feel that way. That's another matter. According to God's creation, we also have a heart of generosity, a heart to bless others. Last week, Ian touched this matter of blessing others 
And blessing means actually to speak well of. Well, there's all kinds of ways that we can bless others. And another way to bless others this morning we're going to touch is the matter of our resources. What God has given us, we can bless others with. The other verse that Paul read to us this morning, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God will give generously. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God has given you plenty. God has given you generously so that you can give. Not so that you can get, but so you can give. There's a little difference between get and give, right? In fact, there's a big difference. God has given so you can give. Next time you receive your paycheck, think of it that way. God has given so I can give. It's a whole other way of thinking, right? What does it mean to give generously? I'd like to give you a few stories this morning. Um, I had wonderful parents who were great examples to me in this matter of giving. So my mother had a cousin. So my mother's uncle and his wife, were missionaries in Argentina. And uh, so that's my great uncle, right? And uh, his first son uh, was born, raised in Argentina. He came back to North America to do his university and seminary with the intention to go back to Argentina as a missionary just like his father was. But as a missionary kid, especially in those days, uh, there's no money. My father went to five other men in his church congregation, and the six of them together put this young man through college and seminary. They paid for his education. Now, I know probably what you're thinking is this. Well, that was nice of your father, and you're thinking of him as a man in his 50s. No, he was not in his 50s. This is before I was born. He was in his 30s. He was in his 30s, and as a young man, in his 30s, with a young family, paying off his farm mortgage, he still, besides his regular giving, decided to put money aside to help this man go through college and seminary. I didn't know about this until years later. My dad never said anything to me about this. And I was always wondering why whenever, uh, you know, my mother's cousin, whenever he came back to visit from Argentina to North America, he would always come and visit us. Then eventually it all made sense because he had great appreciation for my parents because they helped him put him through school. Why did my father do it? Did he get any benefit out of it? Well, I would say he got a lot of benefits, but not a financial benefit. So this kind of thing, you know, I like to read you this quote. People rightly say that money cannot buy happiness. But money and happiness are still related in a curious way. 
Happiness can be the result not of spending more money on oneself, but in rather giving money away to others. This, the data shows that this is not just a nice idea, but it is a social scientific fact. Social scientists have discovered that people are happiest when they give money away. Therefore, Bill Gates might be the happiest man because he gives a lot of money away. He's probably happier than richer people than him who don't give away. We have a verse here I'd like to read to you, 1 Peter 4, 9 and 10, which says, Be hospitable to one another without complaining, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Now, normally when we use, read these verses, we think, oh, use your gift to serve others. Oh, I have a gift of what? Um, what? I have a gift of music. Let me serve others. Oh, I have a gift of baking. I can make food for others. Oh, I have a gift of looking after kids. But what's interesting, the verse prior to this talks about hospitality. What is hospitality? Hospitality is opening your home to feed people, to house people, to give people things. Of course, to make them feel welcome as well. And what is this called? Stewardship. What is a steward? A steward is a person who has been given something, not for themselves, but they are responsible to take care of somebody else's financial money or whatever and use it appropriately to benefit others. My mother was interesting. When I was 14 years of age, uh, because I grew up on a farm and by that time I have to help on the farm and my parents would give me an allowance, okay? And once I started receiving allowance, my mother would give me the set, sit down talk about stewardship. And that's exactly the word she used. Now that you are receiving money, you have a responsibility. It is called a stewardship to give a portion of what you have received to the Lord. And after that, then you can use some of the rest of the money to buy your own clothes. Because now that you have your own money, you're going to buy your own clothes with that money. We're not buying your clothes anymore. But before you buy clothes, you have a stewardship. Didn't I have a good mother? Yes, I had a good mother. But what's interesting about it, she wouldn't just talk about money. She talked about possessions as well. Every six months, she would take me through my drawers. Are you wearing this? Are you wearing that? Nope. Okay, let's take it. We're going to give it away. Before that, she would say, are you playing with those toys? Nope. Okay. You're not playing with those. I haven't seen you playing with those toys. There's a family up the road. There's, they have children. They're a needy family. Those toys are going to them. She was constantly giving constantly giving, and she grew up herself poor. Her father struggled during the Depression. He bought a farm. Ten years later, he sold the farm for less than he bought it. During that time, he couldn't even make the, barely make the interest payments on the mortgage. Those were tough times. My mother grew up th through that. She passed through all of that, and yet she still had a heart of generosity. 
all the time giving. Last week, Ian brought this subject of having a mindset of abundance or a mindset of scarcity. A mindset of abundance or a mindset of a scarcity. What is the mindset of abundance? The mindset of the abundance is kind of like the verse we read in, in Corinthians. God will generously provide for you. The mindset of abundance is God will take care of me. And God will take care of me generously. That doesn't mean I will be rich, but I will be taken care of. I will be fine. I will be okay. In Mark, some of you may know this case of the widow who had, was poor, the poor widow who put in two coins into the treasury in the temple. And Jesus was there and said, this woman has given everything. How could she do that? Because she had a mindset of abundance. God will take care of me. I can give to God because God will take care of me. I don't give to God in order for God to get. No, I give to God because I know God will take care of me. There's a difference. I'm okay because I know my needs will be taken care of. Another story. Before my father retired, he talked about building his retirement home. And while he was, you know, we know his expression, talk is cheap, right? Uh, and he talked about building his retirement home. He said, oh, it would be nice to have a water fountain in the middle of a courtyard and, you know, all extravagant. Well, the day came he built his retirement home. It was a simple two-bedroom home. Unfinished basement. Simple. And I realized he could have afforded more. He could have afforded more. But he decided, no, this is how we are going to live. This is all we need. His siblings had much nicer retirement homes. But he decided, or they decided, my father and my mother decided, no, this is how we're going to live. This is all we need. Was it comfortable? Yes, it was comfortable. It was what they needed. Uh, abundance mindset doesn't mean I'm going to spend, spend, spend. No. Abundance mindset is I'm satisfied with what I need. I'm satisfied with what God has given me. I'm okay. And because of that, I can also have the mindset of generosity. An abundance mindset is equal to actually a mindset of generosity. I'll give you a personal experience. I'm going to give you this morning one positive and one negative. The first positive one was in the uh, mid-70s, or in 1974, 1975. I was about 19, 20 years old. I do know how old I am. Um, and at that time, the church here did not have a property. We were renting places, going from school to school, you know, renting all kinds of things. But the feeling was, you know, for long term, we need to have a property. So the church decided to open a building fund. And we were all encouraged to go to the Lord. Lord, how much? My experience has been this over the years. Whenever I ask the Lord how much should I give, I usually, the Lord usually gives me a figure. Uh, it's not always comfortable. So anyway, the Lord gave me a figure. 
And I wrestled with the Lord about this figure because I was just a, still a teenager. The amount was $1,000. And you may say, 1000 That was 1974. I don't know how much $1,000, that $1,000 today is. I haven't figured that out. It's, it's okay. I don't have to. All I'm saying is that I did wrestle with the Lord. Lord, really that much? He says, you've got it. Give it. So I did wrestle, but I gave it. And giving, giving is kind of like losing weight. After you've lost the weight, you feel much better. Giving is like that. When you get, after you've given, you feel much better. I'd like to give another story of Frances Havergal. Some of you may know Frances Havergal was a hymn writer. She's a writer who was called a consecration. She wrote consecration songs. And one of the songs is, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And if you look at that song, uh, so the first two lines here are part of the first stanza. The second two lines are not part of the first stanza. But she goes through the song, and it's like, Lord, take my life. Take my hands, take my feet, take my words, take my lips, take my thoughts. Well, eventually she gets to take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I withhold. Four years later, she starts, she writes. So she's in the morning. She's having her time with the Lord. She's contemplating. She said, I was renewing my consecration to the Lord. And as I was renewing my consecration to the Lord, I came, I came across. No, I decided to go back over something I wrote. She's going over her own hymn. And she comes to this stanza, take my silver, my gold. And she says, the Lord has shown me another little step. And of course, I have taken it with extreme delight. Take my silver and my gold now means shipping off all my ornaments, means her jewelry, including a jewelry cabinet which is really fit for a countess. I've shipped this all off to the church missionary house where they will be accepted and disposed of for me. These I redeem so that the whole value goes to the church missionary society. I retain only a brooch or two for daily wear, which are memorials of my dear parents. Her consecration was real, practical, and for her, it meant taking her wealth, which was mainly in jewelry, selling it and giving it to missions. Practical, right? But what was it out of? It was out of a heart. So one thing I want to mention this morning is this. This matter of generosity is a heart matter. Our hearts need to be affected. It's not, it's it's more than just doing something. If we do something and our heart is not affected, what value has it? What, what value is it? We need a heart change. Tim Keller said this. 
you have not really grasped the grace of God if it doesn't change your attitude toward money. What is your attitude toward money? Is it the same attitude as the world? Or is it God's attitude toward money? Unless we know the grace of God, even our attitude toward money, these two things are related. So we need to have a prayer, Lord, change my heart. Change my heart so that I don't have the same mentality as other people do. What is a mindset of scarcity? A mindset of scarcity means I'm always worried about money. I'm always anxious about money. I, it produces in us a consumer mentality. It produces anxiety. It produces this feeling of, uh, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on anything. Therefore, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to spend money in this, and I have to spend money on that. It produces dissatisfaction. It produces the feeling you never have enough. I'll give you another illustration, a negative one about myself. Some years ago, uh, you know, over the years, we've had people come here to the church asking for money. And sometimes they come with some very interesting stories. And uh, one time somebody gave me a story. It was a long story. And the more the guy talked, I realized it's impossible for this to have happened. Totally impossible. So I said to him, listen, listen, here's 20 bucks. Next time, give me a better story. Your story is only worth $20 today. But that's not the story I want to tell you. Prior to that, somebody came here, and they gave me this story, which I believed. They needed bus money to get to somewhere. And, and they told me they would come and pay me back. Uh, they knew where I lived, and they would come and pay me back. So I, uh, I gave him $40, and I drove him to the subway and gave him a subway token. Dropped him off. As soon as I dropped him off and I was driving back home, suddenly this realization came to me. Do you realize that he was lying to you? He's never going to pay you back. And I was angry with myself. I said, you stupid, gullible person. That $40 is gone. And I kicked myself for a few days. Stupid, gullible. When will you learn? A week later, On a Sunday morning, I was handed an envelope that was in the offering box with my name on it. I took it home. I opened it up. $400. I felt so bad. Why did I feel bad? I'll tell you why I felt bad. I don't know God. I'm stingy. God is generous. You're crying about $40. I can take care of you 10 times as much. What are you? I felt so convicted. 
You have a scarcity mindset. That's what that is. You're afraid to give. Why? You think I can't give? I felt ashamed for a long time. You can tell. Even I still feel ashamed today. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, right? We have so, we're so stingy, and yet God is so generous. What are we thinking? Anyway, that's my... Maybe you're like me. I don't know. What does this mean? This means we need a heart change. We need a heart change to the matter of our resources. God can and does take care of us. So we need to pray, Lord, change my heart. But there's another aspect that we also need to learn. And that is living with margin in our life. What do we mean by that? That means, simply put, I don't spend everything I get. I don't spend everything I get. A few weeks ago, there was an article in the Globe and Mail, a very interesting article, and I like to read portions from that article to you because I think it, it's, it's not a Christian article, but it was a national survey of financial wellness showing an upsurge in the number of people who are spending more than their income. We're talking about Canadians here, okay? Who can't pay their bills on time and who borrow to pay for daily expenses. The same survey shows that stress levels about money have soared in comparison with the past two years. Do not dismiss financial stress as a problem of lower-income families. This is what's striking about this article. In, 19, sorry, in 2019, the Financial Health Index said 37% of people, listen to this, th one-third of the people who have household incomes of over $100,000 said they sometimes or often or very often use a credit card or a line of credit or overdraft to buy food or pay expenses. 63% of people with household incomes of over $100,000, that means more than half, right, agreed that money worries cause them emotional stress, compared with 48% in 2018, as in one year increase. It says no other income bracket had a bigger year-over-year -year jump. In other words, those who make over $100,000 are more anxious about money than those who earn less. Go figure. Then it says this. This is its catch line at the end. The retail frenzy of Black Friday is a week away, and then shopping for the holiday season starts. Can we please pause a moment to consider what's affordable? Next year's insolvencies, which means next year's personal bankruptcies are being seeded right now. In the month of October of this year, in Canada, over 18,000 households declared personal bankruptcy. We are spending beyond our means. We have no margin. And then you wonder why we can't give. 
I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm going to say it. If, I'm, if it's not true, then I'll be willing to be corrected. Why are house prices so expensive in Toronto? Because people are paying them. Am I right? It's simple supply and demand, isn't it? If people would refuse to pay the prices, they're saying the prices would drop. That's the way the market works. But why, and uh, if, there are pe if there are real estate agents in this moment, please forgive me. <laughs> but I've bought houses in the past myself. I know what you experience. You're pushed to your limit. Not wise. You have no margin. Do you need to spend, do you need to buy that house or can you buy something a little less? Can you spend a little less? But I want to live in that neighborhood. Do you have to live in that neighborhood? Do you have to? Who says you have to? Am I making you uncomfortable yet? <laughs> we live in a society that is actually against us in some ways causing us to not have margin, causing us to not be able to even actually maybe be as generous as we want to be. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 25 says this, a generous person will be enriched and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. You take care of other people, you will be taken care of. You show generosity to others, generosity will be shown to you in some way, maybe in a different way. Maybe it's not financial, but it's another way. Malachi 3.10, you you're not going to see this on the screen. Bring the, tenth, the full tenth into the storehouse. That was the, the tenth, the 10% was what was ordained by God in the Old Testament for God's people to give to God. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. In other words, this whole same thing as Proverbs. If you are a generous person, God will pour out on you in some way or another. So I would say this. Don't be a reservoir. Be a river. Flow. Don't hoard. You know what a reservoir is. We keep all the thing. We keep it here. We're going to keep it for the rainy day. Instead, be a river. <clears throat> Augustine has a few interesting quotes. <coughs> God has no need of your money, but the poor have. You give to the poor, and God receives it. Another one. Find out how much God has given you, this is financial planning. Find out how much God has given you, and from it, take what you need. The remainder is needed by others. Wow, that's a whole different way of financial planning, isn't it? Another way of financial planning is this. God has given me, and I have determined with my time with the Lord, I'm going to give a certain percentage to God. That is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to maintain that percentage whether my income goes up or down. If it goes up, maybe I'll increase the percentage. But at least I have committed to God, 
I'm going to give this percentage to the Lord. And do it regularly. Every time you receive consistency, actually, tell your truth. And maybe we'll, I'm sure we'll come to this again. Dealing with our finances is one of the first spiritual disciplines that we, if we really want to have a spiritual discipline, number one, address this matter of our finances. How do we give? Where do we give? Well, I would say this. First of all, give to the church. You know, this church doesn't survive on money from the government. We get nothing from the government. Okay? We survive simply by donations. That's it. No other source of income. Figure out how much is your income. How much should I give? Do like what Augustine says. Besides that, there are other, you know, we as a church do support Scott Mission. We support Matthew House. Scott Mission is for the poor, for the homeless. Kind of like the Deuteronomy part. And, and Matthew House is for the foreigners, the refugees. Besides that, you know, there's other organizations like World Vision, Compassion. You can sponsor a child in a foreign country that the money goes to help actually not just the child but the whole community. Think about this. The Lord's heart is a generous heart. And I, you know, I, I've, I graduated this week. You say, what did I graduate from? I graduated into that senior category. But, you know, I realize even though I've lived 65 years, I do often still have the have constant dealings with the Lord about money. And I think I will to the day I die. Why? Because it's real. It's practical. But we have to remember this, as I started off with, God has created in us a generous heart. Let's cultivate the heart of generosity so that we can image and reflect God. That's what he wants. How is God reflected in this earth? How is God's generosity expressed in this earth? By you and by me. Let's pray. Lord, you're such a generous God to us. You constantly are giving, even when we don't see it. You've taken care of us in so many ways, even... You're taking care of us beyond what we need. Lord, give us the heart that you have. Give us a heart to be givers, not getters. Give us a heart that wants to bless others in so many ways, but especially in our possessions, in our resources. Lord, we also ask you to forgive us when we have a heart when we have a stingy heart, when we have a scarcity mindset. Lord, do an operation in each one of our hearts today, this week. We want to become more like you. We want to express you. And Lord, as we come to partake of communion, of the bread and of the cup, Lord, 
we want to give you a big thank you. The ultimate generosity is that you gave us your son to die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. This is the ultimate expression of generosity. The thing you love the most, you gave to us. Wholeheartedly, with abandon. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for us. Lord, thank you for being the sacrifice for us. What we could not pay, you paid. We love you. And we thank you. We ask this in the mighty name, the generous name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CIT Podcast. Our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at churchintoronto.com. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services this weekend. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God loves you.